Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Drew, and this is Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. And welcome, everybody, to another Dr. Drew After Dark. We appreciate all the support. I appreciate those emails and the voice messages at 818-253-1693. One day, we will have calls live. One day. Right now, I need your emails at drdrafterdark at gmail.com. And again, the voice messages at 818-253-1693. I'm increasingly impressed that... um, I think people need a place to go for answers. I am astonished how bewildering the internet internet would, was supposed to be a source of information. It's only bewildered people further. So please, please bring them on in. Um, also support the people that support the uh, podcast and the YouTube channel, please. We need to keep this thing going. So we appreciate that. Speaking of appreciate, my next guest, somebody I've always appreciated, the great Seth Green. Hey, thanks, Drew. How are you, man? I'm good. You know what's hysterical? Um, the movie is Changeland. Uh, I watched it over the weekend. I loved it. Oh, thanks. And I got a lot to say about it. Oh, let's hear it. But my first reaction was, isn't the first time I goddamn met you when you were like 14 was with Breck and Meyer? Yeah, yeah. Like the we first time to, we, uh, it was the two of you together. Yeah, we had uh, <laughs> so finagled our way onto Loveline. And, it's so uh, weird for me to see was, you guys together now. It was when uh, Poor Man was doing it. Oh my God, was it that long then. ago? Yeah. And seriously, you were like 15. We, I think I was 16 because okay. I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Brecken? No, we're the same age. Okay, so, yeah. I, and I just remember you guys as kids and me thinking, is this okay? Is this all right? Is this guy's going to be okay? You know, yeah, yeah, but isn't that the, the average age of the callers? Then it was. Getting? Then it was very much that way. Yeah. But, but even so, so yeah. I, you guys freaked me out a little bit. You, you got into it pretty deep. Oh, because as, of as our, I recall. our level of maturity or? Uh, yeah, <laughs> willingness to take on. I'm not sure it's maturity is the answer, but willingness to take on the grittier substance. Yes. Sure. You guys were like, yeah, I've done that. And it's like, Let's Whoa. find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, you haven't changed at all. So so the movie, uh, let me just give you, aside from my first thing was like, oh my God, there they are again. And, uh, and, and I felt like I had a weird little time machine moment watching YouTube screw around in Thailand. Yeah. Secondly, it was a, 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 a love Card, like a postcard for thailand mm. it was beautiful thanks it did is that someplace you've always loved or did you do that intentionally yeah i got to go to thailand in uh, 2009 with my friend dan and uh everything that happened to us felt like it was in a movie and all of the scenery and all of the circumstance just the, the, the two men on a vacation together being constantly misinterpreted as vacationing lovers and <laughs> just all the characters that we met and the way it really feels i've always been attracted to stories about people you know i love movies and i love fantasy and you know um action or mystery but i also like relationships simple stories just about people yeah and that was what i wanted to tell was a a story about sort of a coming of age in your 30s And, and fighting through yeah. You know, fighting through and again, finding yeah, you're going to quit. You're going to quit yeah. or you're going to keep going. Yeah. That's really what and, it and is. I, life, I, life throws all kinds of horrible curveballs at you. Yeah. Even, even in your, your greatest highlights, you're still experiencing some depth of struggle that 
that feels singular, that feels, you know, like it's not exactly what everybody is dealing with. And I, I like uh, telling a story about the sameness of us all, regardless of our uh, individual circumstance. And I know how you are when you work, because I got to see you do Robot Chicken. You very kindly let me do a, a voice. And you and your partner, you, you know exactly what you want. I, I remember you. What, what I, I always tell people when I when I would get that whatever note was you wanted, you both would jump out of your chairs simultaneously <laughs> together. That's it. Yeah. And, and I thought I, I don't know how, particularly animators, how they know what they want, but they know what they want. So my question is, and obviously we'll talk about Robot Chicken in a minute, but is it the same with making a film where you're like on the set, you're directing this thing, and you kind of know when you got the a little the moment? bit. There's there's a lot more um, uh, room for alchemy. Uh, in live action than there is in animation. Typically with, with animation, especially comedic animation, there is a, 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 a finite chemistry to what will or will not yield a laugh. And if your end result is a laugh, then you've got to have the exact right mis mixture with the exact right timing. With, well, I was going to say, the timing's got to be weird, too. Yeah. Stop action, figure out joke timing. Get a little bit of... Uh, in animation, you have a little bit more control. You know, you'll record your voices first, and that's taking into consideration everything that you've already written. Uh -huh. And so you know it should sort of sound something like this because you're imagining all the individual parts getting put together. Interesting. And then once you've got the voices, you marry that with the storyboards, and you're able to come up with the exact timing of the joke. And that way you give the animator something that's relatively finished, and then they just need to bring a, a performance to it. So and by, by animator get, and Adab, this guy, these guys have a factory of stop action factories. Same still, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It, it is. I used to take my kids there to visit it. And it's literally, how many were nine stages, 10 stages? Oh, man. So the current studio, we're, uh, we're doing both Robot Chicken and a, a show called Crossing Swords for Hulu that's not coming out till 20. And so we have... Um, also stop action? Yeah, it's, it's like over 40 stages operating oh right now. Oh, my God. And they're, each one of these people is like a mini genius you know, yeah. moving their... The well, they're your around. performer. That's my yeah. favorite, that's my favorite uh, an analogy of it is that you, you essentially cast every part three times, right? You cast your voiceover performer that's going to do the voice. You cast the puppet itself that's going to be the visual representation Somebody of the character. Somebody builds that for you? Yeah, yeah. a team of people. Yeah. Each yeah. individual puppet is probably built by seven people. Yeah. And then... Um, and then you have your animator, which brings the thing to life. And, and then you have and, editors and whatever else. Yeah. Well, all that stuff, it becomes a factor of the, the completion of the thing. But for the performance itself, it's usually those three. Those three it's two. so crazy to watch. Yeah. It's so interesting. Well, so with live action, there's just completely different things to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the innovation of your performer uh, on set the same way that you would with an animator. Right. It's just they'll all sort of react to each other. Okay. And so, so in that case, it's putting the right group of people together um, to be able to yield some some kind of innovation. Which is my next question. Uh, aside from it being a love letter to Thailand, how the hell did you get Macaulay Culkin to show up and do that? <laughs> well, how the realize, hell did you do that? I guess I didn't realize it, was, it would be such a challenge. So Mac and I have known each other uh, it's over 20 years now. He's not just playing, you know, he's not... <laughs> He's playing an interesting character. Yeah, well, he's actually a really uh, incredibly competent actor um, and uh, a really gifted performer. That's what he was born to do. But, yeah. you know, becoming uh, famous as a child the way that he did and also getting rich and, you know, being able to keep his money and never get... How did you get him to do this? Just promise him a trip to Thailand? No, or? I just asked him. I had uh, I'd been writing the thing for years and every time I mentioned it to him, I told him I'd been writing this part for him. And he always expressed an interest in doing it. And then he just came and did it. And then that's, the, that's the fun thing about him is he's in a point in his life where he can make those kinds of choices to completely refuse to audition or have no interest in doing anybody's parts. And then also 
do whatever he wants. You know, uh, uh, he had a friend produce a, um, I think it was Aladdin, like did a, a total independent goofy rock and roll version of Aladdin. He was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do this. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. So it's you, it's Breckin Meyer, it's Macaulay, it's Brenda Song, Claire Grant, Randy Orton. Yeah. Was it just a vacation? Were you hanging out with your buddies and friends? Or I mean, I it... offered them all that they could stay on either side. Was it fun? I mean, it, yeah, it, it, look, it looked fun. like everyone's having a great yeah. time. But... When you're do, I mean, for me, making movies is what I love. It's yeah. something that I know really well and uh, a process that I really enjoy. And then I thought both who would I most prefer to share this experience that's with? What it, that's what it seemed like to me. But it's also who can I guarantee is going to give me the thing that I need with the least amount of conflict, right? So when you're going out to Thailand to shoot for uh, 24 days, and I know we're not going to get a lot of second or third takes on stuff. Yeah. I know that the conditions and the obstacles and the circumstance are going to be such that I need to be able to depend on everybody that I'm bringing. Yeah. Um, and that was how I cast it. I wrote all these parts for each of these people, knowing that they would both visually and from their performance give me exactly what I needed to tell this story for an audience. Well, that's the other thing about it. The, the cat is just exceptional. Just, they just nail. Everyone nails it. Ah, good. But makes, it, it makes me look smart. But it was too much. <laughs> it's great, weird for me to see you and Brecken together again. I just, oh. I just flashed all the way back. That's funny. Yeah, I so, love working with him. He's one of my favorite collaborators. So, Robot Chicken. Oh, can we, do you, put, you put up the, uh, the thing on Changeland, yes? The uh, Changeland. The, there we yep. go. Look at you guys. <laughs> you're like men now what the hell you're little kids <laughs> last time i saw you guys sitting next to the other like that that's fun watching you trip about that it, it's weird isn't it i didn't know yeah, because well, for I me i don't i don't feel the the age i mean i could objectively look back and go oh yeah i was such a kid when i was 16 well, I, I, and i don't feel that way about you when i see you now in real, real world but right. when i see you with him it did <laughs> i just go Phew, right back to that you were such that's, nerds that's so funny <laughs> and anyway uh and randy Orton too did a nice job on isn't he great yeah do you watch uh you into wwe at I, all i you know i'm familiar but i'm not into into it yeah. yeah but he just did a nice everyone just did a i believed it oh good yeah i believe good it. and i also like i'm not gonna i don't want to give away anything but you you in your writing you left some interesting question marks mm. that were good that, oh, that were just the ones that just just enough to oh, good. let you drive your own conclusions about things right on so. i'm i'm really happy with the movie and uh very excited about oh my how God. you guys as teenagers being received Look at that. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm probably... Seven, You're probably 18 or 19 there. Maybe 17 yeah. with those jeans. Yeah, I, I, I knew them before <laughs> that. That's... I don't think you had that's facial well hair. In, that's into our 20s. That's 2009. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Any, that's anything, funny. Find something with me and them in there. See the last, last time. I posted, I posted that recently, me with that, that crazy hair. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Look at you. That I'm probably I'm probably 16. Well, that's probably when I that's when I saw you guys. So. Actually, if I've got that hair, I've I've got to be 18. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's. Uh, you keep looking for a picture of the two of them with me, if you can possibly find it. Which I don't I don't know that there ever was one. Maybe, maybe the it, night we were in the studio there. Maybe um, there you are with Macaulay. Was that on the set? Uh, that, the rabbit ears just an homage. No, the ra the rabbit ears. It all started as um, we we were going to the New York Comic Con for like seven years straight. And uh, Mac had just not done anything in public. He just didn't give a shit. <laughs> and um, I kept joking that when we, when we, all, we kept bringing him on the panel at New York Comic Con, and I joked that it was both the semi-annual meeting of the Silly Hats Club, and we all wore like funny animal hats, or that it was the um, uh, uh, annual public appearance of Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> and so we, 
We'd gotten into this thing with the with the ears with all of the There's animals. You and, I, you and I, oh Jesus, look at that. And uh, it, it sort of just became a, a a party thing. You know, people would come over for a party and we'd be like, yeah, you can wear an animal hat, you can wear these animal ears. And so when I was talking to Mac about what this character would be, the the the, the sort of spirit animal that this character was meant to represent for our characters, he was like, well, I should bring some animal ears. I'm like, yeah, you're full on wearing those bunny ears. And that was that. Uh, in the thing. And he, over the course of uh, doing the movie, came up with the idea for his own podcast, which became oh, his, really? sort of, uh, his sort of parody lifestyle brand, which is called Bunny Ears. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, so there is a little bit of like, which came first, but I feel like it's all sort of the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. So Robot Chicken, what's the most fun thing about uh, that show? I know it's a heavy burden, man. You guys work your ass off on that thing. It is a lot. I have uh, done so much better over the last several years with delegating responsibility and taking less of it on personally, which has just been a healthier way to live. Um, and also you get to empower other people who are really, really talented to bring their own voice to it and improve mm -hmm. it, you know, because there's only so long that you can make the same kind of thing before it feels very the same. And so consistently bringing new voices in or, or other collaborators has helped us maintain its relevance. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, we can offline. You should come visit. Okay. We, we recently did some renovation. We've expanded into a couple of buildings. 40 theaters, my God. Yeah, it's 40. nuts. I think of those little theaters because you peek in and they you, really see are. The, you see the yeah, I, I always imagine it's sort of like Warner Brothers where each one of those sound stages has their own entirely contained production. Yeah. And in, in this case, it could be you know, scenes of the, like when we were shooting our show Super Mansion, um, the whole thing takes place in a couple of sets and then occasionally a new set. So you have that set standing, but we also have four different versions of areas of that set so that different animators could be shooting coverage in different stages without having to overlap each other. That way you don't have to wait. Like imagine if you're making a movie with Brian Cranston and you could have eight of him right. shooting in different locations yeah. on the same but, day. But I mean, the that's, the, that's the, the, the wisdom of having done this long enough brings you. Yeah. You know, well, it's really the only, about it. it's the only way to accomplish it for the budget. Yeah. Like you just have to be really smart about the planning. Are they still sportive over there at Cartoon Network? Yeah. Adult Swim has been uh, awesome uh, with making the show, but we're also sort of aware that there is a finite growth to the behind the scenes um, uh, money. Yeah. Like there's only so, so far it can go. Yeah. And so it's always been up to us to be able to accomplish the show at a cost. Um, it's producing. Yeah. yeah yeah so this this show is a lot about you know people in comedy and what leads to that mm -hmm. i don't I, I think about you as a comedic actor and writer mm. do you think of yourself as a comedian um i don't think about myself as a comedian because that usually implies microphone on stage that's what i'm asking writing stand-up but, but still, i, I definitely actor and writer it's that's comedy i've always felt like comedy is my superpower yeah. in that um i recognize that not everybody is funny and not everybody is instinctively funny and that's always a music that i've heard very clearly is what is or is not going to yield a joke and so to that end i recognize that that's an ability that i've got that's unique um but i've never uh, thought of it as my defining quality. When, when did you first feel it, see it? What, being funny? Mm -hmm. Or, or uh, the, the experience of getting a laugh? Uh, or feeling like you got it? Uh, that's young. That's like very, very young. I got, I mean, I got years with your, you know, hanging out with your friends or was he, that? Yeah, I got a little laughs with friends, but I never, I never strived to be the class clown. I was so drawn to the stage so quickly. And I recognized that, that I had an ability to govern an audience and give them an emotion. Was that literally on theatrical stage or did you immediately go to uh the first time i was on stage uh 
it was at summer camp, not when I was attending, but when my mom was working there. And I got to participate uh, at one summer camp in a talent show that the, that the campers were putting on. And I got to be, um, they, they had interstitials to the talent show instead of someone just walking up and saying, our next guest is this. They, uh, they set up a, like a Star Trek type exploration where we were making our way to different planets and there were different performers on each of the planets so we had like a shootout adventure and then i was in the captain's chair and it was very funny because it's a tiny child as the captain how um, old were you five six isn't there a w weird almost scene like that in uh, austin powers where you're in a big you're in evil's chair or something oh yeah yeah isn't that weird uh yeah we're all that uh i never even thought about that but um yeah you could definitely draw a comparison to that but i i knew right away um, and then I got to, I got to actually be in a play. I talked my way into a play with the teenagers and I got one line in camp in summer. How camp. How old were you? That was when I was six. Wow. Yeah. And was I got to like do the whole thing with take a curtain call and do all the rehearsals. And it was very different than the interstitials of the talent show. And was your, was your mom a theatrical person or she? No, she's an artist. She, she's she was artist. She encouraging. She wasn't discouraging, okay. but you know, no one, I think if you're growing up in Philadelphia in a, uh, you know, lower middle class uh, neighborhood <laughs> going to public school and it's K through 12 and there's not a single other person who is trying to be a professional performer. There's not a lot of expectation that it's going to work. When did that kick in the professional part? I got my first job. My first job was the first audition I went on when I was seven. Seven. Yeah. And so you just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> was your mom working with you then? Yeah, she would take me. I had to take the train to New York um go on as many auditions as i could manage stage or commercials or what was it? whatever i did everything did you go on broadway um i auditioned for a bunch of broadway stuff i never got anything crazy yeah and, and your, your family together your parents were they together no my parents split uh, around when i was 15. so did this have anything to do with it your mom was busy with the son's career kind of thing um you know I'm sure I could shoulder some blame for keeping them apart, but they had such complicated communication problems for so long. Is that, that, is that a euphemism for domestic abuse? No, <laughs> like, there wasn't any communication. They screamed at each other. No, there wasn't any like physical violence. No, no, I mean, my... well, but domestic, emotional abuse, where they yell at each other, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I don't think they were really good at talking out their feelings. And uh, it's my sister and I kind of marvel that they ever got together because they seem very unlikely. And then to hear each of them tell it, their motives for getting married or for having kids were so you know happenstance that it didn't seem like there was any organized were they planning young it. young teenagers uh they weren't quite teenagers but they were both teachers in their 20s teaching art and then uh, my dad. dad taught math and computer sciences and oh, my mom taught interesting art. yeah and, and it's sort of interesting you've sort of combined both in a weird yeah. way with some of the digital stuff yeah i've got a yeah. crazy i think both of them uh just through biology have given me um, a, a an incredible comprehension for both of those fields, and I'm really for interesting. That. Yeah. That's very I, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, was well, they also both you know showed me everything growing up. So my mom took me around to museums and uh, festivals, and y you know I met all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, genders, race, religions, like all of it. I was introduced to such a scope of humanity at a young age, and and taught very early that none of that is uh, a thing to be judged about and so that was great was it a happy childhood yeah 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 in your married life what about it 
How's it going? Oh, it's great. We're married. We're nine years deep. Okay, man. good. Yeah. I, we, I, last time I saw you, just got married. Last time we actually had a personal conversation. Is that true? And, and, I, and I literally... I feel like we've run into each other a we bunch, ran but into I guess each we other, haven't but I had didn't, like a I didn't real, ask. I a didn't, real I, chat up about I, it. I, I actually specifically <laughs> didn't ask because I thought, God damn it, I really don't know how things are with that. that and, this, uh, and this that art show whatever we were at yeah. it was not it was not like the place no and even so. worse when i saw you i was so in the middle of like three different things that i felt bad that i wasn't more present you were fine <laughs> trust me you were fine it was just good to see you because i hadn't seen you in several years at that point and so oh, yeah like, and that's what made me feel guilty and i thought i can't ask now like hey how's your wife doing it? oh we've been divorced four years like <laughs> no oh, no no we got we got married on purpose and we're we're really good at working it out she seems great i i yeah. you literally just got married we, we was I was working on Greg the Ape. Greg the Bunny. Greg, uh, oh, no, uh, it was the, the MTV Ape. iteration of it. Warren right? the, Ape. Warren Warren the, the Ape. Ape. And you were at that party oh, yeah. for were something we, else. Were we even married at that point? Maybe well, If not, you were like just. Just like, about, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And it seemed great to me. I was all signed off on it. So good for you. Congratulations. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, what, what's she up to these days? Uh, she's good. She's actually writing right now. It's great. Yeah. When I met her, she was dabbling in producing. Um, and she's really great at it. I just don't think she's t terribly passionate about it. Like you got to actually, but love it. So when she finds a project that she gets excited about. I would about, say the writing may bring her into it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Seth, what we do here is we uh, listen to emails and we listen to voice messages and we take emails and, All right. and we uh, sort of wade our way through. Do we have any videos for Seth to break his hymen a little bit on this whole thing? <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't know about video. Actually, you make it sound so appealing. Well, I might want to. I just thought we might these hymen shattering video. We haven't revisited the um, check it out guy in a long time. Uh, oh, the try it out guy. Try it out guy. Yeah. Um, and, sure. If you want, if you want that type of clip for Seth, <laughs> yeah, I think Seth's it. good. Oh Seth, my god! All right, Seth, Seth's a Seth's a pro. That's true. Uh, I have uh, over the years handled all kinds oh, of. Oh yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I we, that was our that was my favorite ongoing conversation. I thought I thought you were the most um, qualified barometer because I, I I clock minor evolutions in culture, um, and that's one of my favorite things is just sort of studying people and pop and sure. how certain concepts evolve and what translates to a younger generation or how they make peace got, with something. You got, you that, got a lot to think about right now, right? Well, fuck, man. There was a point where you and I, and it was years into doing Loveline, the age of the caller got younger and younger yeah. and the um severity yeah. of complication of their question that's right and then we started to see the influence of the internet and internet yeah. porn and just the yep. way that was confusing people's self-evaluation yep. or what they were even turned on by that was one of the questions. great things about love light is you, you you had real-time connection to all this stuff yeah. right so you could see what people were experiencing and th this show has given me something a little bit similar well, you've always been my best barometer because I felt like you and I would confer and just be like, oh my God, that's actually happening. So this, this used to be this and now it's this, huh? And, and I just remember, <laughs> I remember when I did that, that crank anchor and I ran into you backstage. The best. <laughs> you were like, the best. Oh my God. The best. That one's going to be, I think, submerged. Oh, I, don't, yeah? I don't think today it would be viewed kindly. Really? I have a suspicion. I Crank mean, anchors was, at all? It, it would no my, my your, particular your gag, thing. Man. My particular thing. It's so funny though. It, it is very funny. I Maybe still, love, I still it was, met, was met with peace and love. Trust me. Prank, prank phone calls are are still. They're coming back. Very very no, funny. Crank anchors coming back. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I really love that. Except I, I think maybe you'd be on it because it's uh, all now Kimmel's world. Uh -huh. So like George Clooney's going to do a voice and things oh, like sweet. that. So it'll be interesting. Making making prank calls is. One of my favorite pastimes. So, so your mom's house got connected with this guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and when I first came on their show that led to this show, 
they went, uh, just what do you think about this guy? And so I'll ask you the same thing. All right. Black guys who love to fuck and fuck good. If you're a hot black guy and you want to fuck me at twenty three ninety five, if you want to move in, you can move in, but you got to fuck me. I need, I need to be fucked a lot, man. Get free food, free rent, and everything else, man. Here's a deal, man. Men from jail, homeless, or um, you're a thug, you want to come move in. A friend can move with you too, man. Free rent, you get a lease and a key. Fuck me. Piss on me. Beat me. I'm home man now. You see me, you want to come over today and try it out? Try it out, man. If you're in my building, try it out. If you want to fuck a piss on me, try it out. Okay. So you're the right. only as fuck, man. I'm looking for hardcore guys that mean it, want to do it. And I want to deliver it. I'm a hot white trash. Come dump this fuck. Try it out. So he became huh. the try it out guy. And huh. uh, I first saw that. Well, what's, what's so, your reaction? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's um, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, I'm get, a, get, your, you know, get your snifter out and your pipe and let, let's, let's analyze. I mean, I have to assume that he's sincere. He is sincere. Right. So we have it, since made contact with him. So, so if, you, if you presume sincerity, then it's just about the way the so as the internet formed and as people could find each other yes i discovered that people became far more honest or at least more upfront expressive about their stuff well because you you, you're able to say things or put out messages it's 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 what i've always heard um so i've never been with a prostitute Mm. Because I've always had healthy uh, romantic or sexual relationships Good. with, with uh, actual humans. Good. And um, not to imply the prostitutes aren't human. But, but, with, but without but, paying. But typically there is a, an agreement where you can be your real self with a prostitute because they offer you no judgment oh. in your well, real I, life. I would, argue, I would argue those, aren't re- those are pieces of self that you disavow, well, this actually. Is, this is why I've never yeah. been with a prostitute. I'm simply yeah. saying that this guy him being at a place where he's like i can't say this at my job i can't i can't say this on a blind date yeah but i can put this message out to a craigslist or a uh, a dating site and say hey look no veil no um try it out concealing this is what i want try it out and I'd, I'd, always heard, I'd always heard that, that you don't so get I, what you I want love, if you're afraid to ask I for it. I love your interpretation. I love it, but it made me sad when I first saw it. Yeah, well, it here's the thing. Anybody, pieces, these are traumatized pieces of people that, yeah, anybody, that do need to be expressed. You're right about that. Anybody who's like, I want you to beat me, I want you to pee on me, something happened. What? You're kidding. Something, Seth, something kidding happened. Because you don't, you don't Ask desire him. Well, that. now we should get the follow-on there where, he, where I did make some concerns about exactly this. Well, you simply don't desire those kinds of things unless all of your introductions to sexuality were through violence and trauma. Uh, might be out of something because all that all that stuff implies a a requirement of shame to to be able to which is why i got to be sexually satisfied yeah here we'd make it shouldn't be it shouldn't be shameful so i said something like you just said and he caught wind of it Uh uh-huh apparently and uh here was his uh oh he had a response he had a he had a love note to me as a a result second let me pull it up okay uh is it like drew no one's ever seen me like you Oh, it's a little different. Here you see me. I want you to pee on me. <laughs> no, no. Nothing so fun. Oh, but he, but he had the rabbit ears on. Strangely enough, uh, maybe it's an homage to Macaulay. I don't know. But here we go. Mm, is I there some was, kind was, of deeper was, subtextual no, meaning I think to, it was, the, it was, to the rabbit ears that Easter I'm not aware of? Wasn't it Easter or something of? at the time you did this? M- maybe. Nadav? Sorry? Wasn't it Easter around the time? 
Oh yeah, it was yeah, Easter. That's why he's got that's the why right. on. Yeah. And okay. if you see in the bottom there, it's somebody's texting or, or screening with him or chatting with him, saying, "Doctor." Oh yeah, this looks like a periscope. Yeah, yeah, this is an Instagram live. He's ah. very active on Instagram live. Ah. So, That's true. If you ever really put on a, nice I was going to say, you could if, probably if, rock that if pretty Kentucky hard. Kentucky Fried Chicken is listening, yeah. I would happily be one of their yeah. Colonel Sanders. This, they're, be, they're casting a wide net. Too. It would be pretty funny, wouldn't it? It would be pretty <laughs> ironic. So I want to thank him for putting me up for the casting on Colonel Sanders. If you happen to hear of anyone doing that casting, please throw my name in the ring. <laughs> sure. Uh, number one. Number two, he thinks we're off base by how dare we think there's something up with it. But him. what's interesting is that he comes from a place of saying he doesn't think. So, so him saying, I've got a brain, I'm smart, has nothing, nothing to, do to do with, do with anything it. that That's you're saying. Right. So he's, Im- right. he's implying that your attention towards him uh, must mean that you don't think he's intellectual. Correct. And, yeah. and people confuse all this stuff oftentimes. The emotional systems, the intellectual systems. Yeah, it's so hard being people. You know what I mean? Yes. It really is not an easy. Yes, an we, easy we have burden. all these weird layers in our brain systems, and they aren't well integrated. Yeah, and not stuff normally. stuff happens over the course of your childhood that's going to shape and inform the yeah. types of things that you're attracted to, the 100%. type of attention that you believe you deserve, the, the things that make you feel valued try or it out, or, Seth. or, or try even it out. just uh <laughs> try it out buddy <laughs> maybe you're the one <laughs> so, I, I i'm know. already uh, i'm already married and so, uh, things, I don't know. things are good yeah, i guess i don't yeah you're not uh, compartmentalizing i haven't way. seen this guy's video and thought mm, <laughs> there's my alternative <laughs> there, there's my hall pass <laughs> <laughs> honey i've got some bad news i'm well good news bad news i'm leaving you for a guy with a firm handlebar <laughs> And, uh, and uh, <laughs> try it ne- out, buddy. You know what? He never wears a shirt, and that's I guess that's my thing. Uh, and bunny ears. That's part of your deal, too. <laughs> but we've since made real contact and did a home visit. Oh. Uh, and there you are, you'll be... Home visit like an analysis? Was that something he wanted? Uh, how would you frame that, Nadav? Um, well, we just sent... Uh, Seth, you met Josh Potter earlier. Huh? Uh, he's the other guy in this room. Uh, we sent him to go hang out with him for like, a, you know, an hour or two. Just uh-huh. Like, Getting in his head, seeing what's find like, out what's going on. How he got into drinking piss. <laughs> yeah. And was we got that, answers. Was, yeah, was, that, got... <laughs> was that an accident or was no. that a curio? Like how do oh, you no. well I mean he's I mean, uh, we edited it out, but he broadcasts his address and uh, and phone number and, and we have merch, you know, around him. So we just wanted to, you know, send Josh over there and, and thank him personally. Yeah. Thank him personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, he hoards. He's a little bit of a hoarder, mm-hmm. which, surprise, surprise. Pee jars for case of emergency. And, and I don't remember the pee uh, transition, how he, how he learned about uh, what he, how he came to drinking pee. Oh, well, I mean, that's going to be a YMH exclusive. We're oh. going to have a, a, oh. a little thing that we upload to our Clips channel that people will be able to check out. Oh, that's why I didn't see that. Okay. Is that available now? <laughs> uh, no, but it will be very soon. 
because I'm going to have to upload it. I mean, I'm obviously very curious in this. Yeah, guy's Seth story. and I are both going to go to YMH and upload. Because that's got to be two different classifications of urine interaction: is the the consuming it versus the having someone pee on you. Yes, the the raining down, the golden yeah. shower versus the actual drinkage. Yeah, growing up, I had uh, uh, two different girls who, like, once we had started uh, becoming intimate, were like so what's up? You into, you want to pee on me? And I, was, I was like, oh, let's talk about that. Whoa. What they say? A, no. Um, and well, it was always just like something they liked. Oh, they liked it. Yeah. They wanted I, it. I wondered if it was something that had happened to them along the road there and they figured, no, was, Oh, guys all like this. It was a next level of their own desire uh, and something they were discovering about themselves that they liked. Okay. So, and you're just a kid from Philly. What did you think? You're here in Hollywood going, what the hell? I just don't judge. And I read, uh, <laughs> I've read so much, uh, you know, literature and philosophy and theology exploration. I've just, I, and, I've, and I really, I think, am deeply empathetic towards being human yeah. and what it takes to... How, how weird we are. Well, just, yeah. you know, how specific an individual all of our needs and desires yeah. are. And, and I, I really don't judge. If you're not hurting anybody, if your thing is being hurt, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's not my thing, but at the same time, I look, whatever got you there, yeah. just, I, I, just be I'm, safe about it. I'm actually with you. I'm just not as, because I, again, I automatically feel, uh-oh, I feel like, uh-oh, what, what happened? You know, yeah. I automatically feel that, that I'm not as quite as flat with it as I maybe should be. You know what well, I mean? Well, but, but you're also trying to diagnose and help yeah, somebody get I, to I, a I, healthier I, way I, of absolutely. living. Whereas yeah. I've just sort of absorbed that this is where they're at after years of, of yes. self-discovery. And so if it's working and that's what you need, I mean, I guess. That's more, your boy. Don't, don't try it out. Don't hurt anyone in the process. <laughs> and uh, please don't die. Uh, let's do Oh, I like that. Now let's go back to our show. Let's do a couple of emails. Um, a teacher, I have bad breath. I clean my teeth. I floss. I use mm -hmm. stronger mouthwash. I'm mm -hmm. so conscious about it. I have to get close to hundreds of people throughout the week. I think the source is my tonsils. I've always had tonsil stones. Oh, this is interesting. Man, oh. you get, that actually happens. Yeah, yeah. What, do you get debris caught back in there and it just festers? Yeah, because if tongue scraping and if it's not some kind of like actual yeah. decay in your teeth that's given a bad smell yeah well it could be a reflux too uh-huh uh but diet but the, related the back of the tongue deep uh the the vellecula it's called but uh she's upset she says it's fucking terrible i'm always a bit bunged up hay fever etc my ears needs uh syringing fairly often well that's interesting i wonder if it's an allergy i wonder issue. if it's all a sort of head and neck yeah. thing uh before we put a 42 year old through surgery for bad breath what can i do would having my tonsils out sort out the problem? It might. Maybe. I would definitely see an ear, nose, and throat doctor and somebody good uh, and have a whole conversation about uh, what's going on with all the secretions and the accumulations. So what she's talking about, it's a she, I'm assuming, in the UK. Mm. But they, when, you, when tonsils are big, they have little like pockets in them. They, when you, people see white spots on their tonsils, sometimes they're just looking at these stones and this debris that accumulates in the pockets in the tonsils, and that stinks. You know what's unfortunate is it's probably going to take a little bit of investigation. I it's know. It's probably just going to have to be patient and go through each of these steps to, but, but to I, get I, to it. I think I would get my tonsils out. Yeah, I if you don't do need them. Yeah, I would do that. Uh, uh, huh? It's, it's, and now it's, hello, big dong daddy. Oh, I don't well, know. Well, how'd they, how'd they know your nickname? I, I, I don't know. I guess these guys gave it to everybody. 
Uh, ever since I was a kid, the sound of Velcro ripping would immediately make my head hurt really badly. The parts of my head that are hurt are the forehead on the side. Stay away from ASMR. Interesting. Yeah. Is, is, is Velcro part of the ASMR thing or just yeah, people all who, kinds of weird sounds? I mean, ASMR is like such a deep subculture that yeah. any sound is both making somebody crazy or making them crazy. <laughs> like you can't, you can't say it it's so specific to the individual experience. I mean, that's really interesting. I, yeah. I, when I do, when I've listened to ASMR, I listen to it on the Calm app and uh, I go to sleep. That's uh-huh. all it does. It makes me kind of... What wonderful. sound are you listening to? It's not like somebody, crinkling somebody potato whispering. chips. Yeah. Some, somebody whispering, that's all. <laughs> some, it, some people, it's like the actual opening of a particular type of chip bag, and that's their thing. And then the handling of it, your fingers against the side, the chips themselves, like that gets some people off. It's a it's fascinating like, subculture. Like a sexual thing? Like sexual Yeah, thing? yeah. Eee. See, I love sound just because I like radio play, and I love, I love um, uh, you know, theatrics and... Um, telling story and you can tell stories with sound with no visuals that awaken different parts of your imagination so the listener sees things through their most um flawless interpretation of it just based on the sound that you orchestrate so i've always been really attentive to the specificity of sound the detail of it and what certain sounds trigger in your brain that was before i knew people were getting off on it i i I get the theatrics you know the the, the theatricality of sound but there's also sort of a neurobiology amongst other things where there's this the sounds the 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 hearing systems interact with other elements in your brain Mm. they're just adjacent to a lot of things and so they trigger all kinds of stuff that we're not sort of conscious but it's like a smell you know gives you a memory or like a particular song takes you to an emotional place in your life when that meant something and so it's the same kind of thing salt being you know drifted through your cracks of your fingers Hmm. get somebody off try try it out (laughs) seth just try it out uh what do you think is going on i've searched online is there any way i can get a free MRI for research at U of M while I'm playing the sounds of Velcro. You probably have something called misophonia. Misophonia. You want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the people who get just really um, have a huge reaction to certain sounds. And there's a whole field of study in there. But you don't need an MRI to kind of know it. Isn't there? There's, I think there's another subset of misophonia. I'm not thinking what it's called. But it's all kind of related. You know, sound, yeah. sounds make you feel bad. Panic attack. Well, let's get a vo- voice message. Let's get a voice for more emails. Hey, Dr. Drew. I'm a 24-year-old male, a little heavier set, but not overly obese. I have this weird thing that happens. I don't know if it happens to everybody or not, but sometimes my belly button will get, like, fluid in there, and it's mm-hmm. really fucking smelly. Mm-hmm. And then when I clean it out with, like, a Q-tip, there'll be blood in there. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what it is, but I don't think it's, like, worthy to go see a doctor about just wondering if you had any insights on it. Okay, go, the go. Podcast. I'm home here now. Thanks, mommy. Go, go to a doctor, first of all. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, d- dermatologist I or a GP. Well, anybody, any physician can handle it, but but I'm going to comment about something else he said first. Is it, these days when somebody says, I'm, I'm not obese, I'm not overweight, I never know what they're talking about. Because hmm. people, Adam and I used to sort of do this on, on Loveline. We just go, you know, well, how much do you weigh? I, I'm not nothing. I no, no. I'm just. I'm big bone. I'm a big person. But yeah. how much weight? Two eighty. Anyway, five so, six. Yeah, <laughs> two eighty. Right. right. And you're like, whoa. It's like mm, that is kind of big. Um, so this is uh, 
this is actually common. Uh, your umbilicus is actually it's a it's a has a potential space in it. People get abscesses in there, and they yeah. get infections in there. Debris accumulates in there and sort of festers. It does need to be cleaned out. It can be get quite serious. You can get, you can get yeah. abscesses inside there. The real trick is probably clean it attentively. Uh, attentively, all the time. and but first it needs to be cl- the the smell is actually anaerobic bacteria that grow in there, and there may be an abscess behind there. So somebody needs to look at it, check it out, try it out, and uh, clean it out completely. <laughs> Yeah, somebody's probably into this too. Just saying. Uh, and yeah, uh, somebody probably gets off on administering uh, that that uh, on that ointment laden Q-tip. Oh my god, people are into everything. Panic attacks. I thank been, God they are. Yeah, thank God. Uh, but having panic attacks for the last year, I definitely know they're related to alcohol. My boyfriend of five years and I met drinking. I've done it since, but now we are fighting all the time. He wants us to try to accept each other with who we are, but he's an alcoholic too. I'm the only one who admits it. I want some clarity about how he is acting. I'm ready to admit and quit, and he is a deep denial. You cannot be responsible for his using a recovery. He always makes me feel guilty when he looks back on the weekend. He talks about the activities, but I just see it as drinking. You were drinking buddies to begin with. And when somebody opts out of the drinking buddy game, it makes for a rocky relationship, particularly if you get sober. Uh, I don't know what to do. Please, if you give me some insight. The panic attacks may be from coming off the alcohol, right? When you come off, people have withdrawal and very commonly will develop panic attacks for a couple of weeks afterwards. So that might be the panic attack. Then you add to that the stress in your relationship and you're panicking about that. Uh, you've got to take care of yourself. Let him do what he does, but don't get... It's, it's, if you're really an alcoholic, it's going to be very difficult for you not to get sucked back in, not just because of the way he's guilting you, and but you, lie, you love alcohol and you're going to feel missing out and it's going to be rough. This is going to be a rough road and you may really want to think about a mutual aid society like a 12-step program. That's why they right. discourage anybody from dating while they're getting sober because well, you're working out such basic things. Yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, one is that... Uh, Two new sober people usually take each other out. And one sober person and one using person, you're going to use typically. Uh, Unless you get very serious about your recovery. And as you do, it's going to pull you away from the using person. They're going to get resentful, feel abandoned, use more, and either get sober themselves or leave. That's typically what happens. And uh, in recovery, once you're in recovery, we say don't make any major changes for a year. Mm -hmm. Because you're changing so much. And you need to change so much that anything you do relationship-wise sort of locks you in where you are. Because we, we, we go for different people at different stages of our yeah. development, right? Would you think in that case that it's healthy for these two, not like I'm trying to tell anybody to break up, but is it healthy for them to be trying to stay together in that dynamic? Is it healthy? I, 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 I is speci- it productive? Yeah, I, I specifically don't tell anybody how to live their life. You know, I just give them advice on what will more. If she says, I can't stay sober, what should I do? I keep going back. I would probably say, well, hmm, maybe you got to go away for a while. Maybe you got to look at this relationship. I, I wouldn't tell her what to do. I would just say, hmm, it's complicating things, isn't it? Yeah. So how are you going to handle that? See what uh, she does. It's better. That's why you're. That's why you're a professional it's doctor. Better. Even though I like all your stuff today, let's get another oh, uh, voice message. Hey, Doctor Drew. Um, my name is Adam, and I am in a wheelchair. I have a form of muscular dystrophy called limb girdle dystrophy. Oh my goodness! Which only affects my shoulders right. and my ability to walk. Interesting. I recently got engaged, and I'm having a lot of issues with my future husband's family due to the fact that I'm in a wheelchair. They don't seem to like it. And how do I deal with that? Please help. 
because I don't know what the hell to do. Oh, that's awful. That's sad. Yeah, yeah. that's awful. I, I'm sorry that you're having to deal with that. I'm sorry the, the family is so close-minded. I, I wonder if that's it. It seems so re- medieval to be thinking that way. Uh, you, know? you know, people uh, are judgmental guess, for all I, kinds I, I of reasons, so. and yeah. especially parents. It's it's hard to understand unless you really investigate them where yeah. where that's coming from. But yeah. that's cruel, to say the least, to throw judgment at your kid's uh, choice in uh, partners, um, and then especially to alienate them for any particular for a disability um, affliction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I I guess the way you handle it is the same as you would any other objection when you're in a committed relationship, which is, uh, it's your life, not theirs. And uh, if they don't want to participate and be supportive, you can only distance yourself, right? That's about all you can do. I mean, that sucks, and you hope that they would come around, but Uh, your relationship is your relationship. But I I never, I rarely advocate, unless there's something horrible going on, just cut them off. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm saying just, you know, that if they don't want to be supportive and actively a part of your life, okay, they won't be. Yeah. Uh, don't cut them off and be kind to them and be forgiving and be whatever it's their stuff yeah don't let their behavior or their perspective alter you and how you handle your interactions or or what scope of love you're willing to give well said okay. i saw i saw your spot on news the other day on the danger la is facing and thought you needed more time to explain the seriousness will you give just a little more time on the after dark show it's about homelessness yeah yeah man it's gotten crazy it's out of control. It is. It's. it's it is. Uh, I've been. I've been doing a lot of work with homeless organizations in LA for a long time, and it's never been never been like, like this. this. What do you? I, my my armchair philosophy is that the there there was such a boom over the last uh, a boon over the last twenty years of new developments, but all of those developments are in consideration of this isn't high, a housing problem. High income. This things. isn't a housing problem. It's not. No. No. What is that, the, that's a hoax. That's a hoax being perpetrated by the government here locally that they, they just, need to stop that there isn't of it because it seems of like, course we have housing expense issues but we we just absorbed a million illegal uh, undocumented immigrants without a home without a country without a job without a penny we absorbed them they found a place to live hmm. it's a hoax so it's a mental health crisis and addiction crisis full-on so it is it's prop 47 prop 57 so people came out of the prisons and people that had mental illness that shouldn't have been in prison in the first place frankly yeah. ended up on the streets and then because we made drugs legal essentially in california all my people are here <laughs> my patients came by the tens of thousands wow. and so the the drug users are here now because they don't get they don't get hassled and if you're a drug addict and you know it's warm and you don't get hassled and by the way you can you can steal and not even get hit for a misdemeanor hmm. 900 you can steal 950 dollars a day and not be hit for anything just get a ticket how do you consider what is stealing 950 dollars? that that's sounds the, so specific the, it's the it's new prop 47 57 laws which is they took all these felonies and they made them misdemeanors including stealing up to nearly a thousand dollars a day ah, I see. so if you have a habit of thousand dollars a week you're fine you just steal a couple things or stand up for the freeway and i've been good. seeing just tent cities it's everywhere all, it's, it's out of control it's everywhere it's but here's my concern i i, I feel horrible for these people on the streets and i am i can't i can't abide by it and I, the fact that the government's continuing to hoax us about it being a housing problem yes we have a housing problem it's a separate issue we have a mental health crisis in this, in this city and what concerns me is the, the people go why why are you so concerned now there's one word rats we have been have you seen what's happened with the rats we have like 12 million rats in los angeles now huh. and the last time we had more than 2 million plague broke out Plague is endemic in the area. So we have typhus, right? And so I knew typhus would break out. It broke out last summer. 
It's coming this summer. Make sure you control your your pet's fleas. Sort of a downer to get into this, but let me yeah, let me finish it. it. Uh, plague. If two percent of the rat population harbors plague, humans will get plague. Wow. And that's all we need for. And with the millions of rats we have here, it's it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Uh, hopefully, it won't be bad. But typhus is going to be bad. If measles gets into this population, this is a this is a not medically well, not properly immunized group. Measles will rip through. Tuberculosis is breaking out like crazy. Non-tuberculous AFB is breaking out. It's and we had typhoid fever two weeks ago. I mean, it's it's profound what could happen here. And we've had a thousand die so far this year. How many how many have to die before? I mean, they're tarps. You see the tarps around? There's yeah. homeless people dead. When, when's the city going to drop their hoax and start really really helping people? It's, I don't know. it's unconscionable. What do we do? Well, uh, there's a couple things. Uh, I just found out today the fire chief has the opportunity to bring up something called a. I wrote it down. It's like a hazard, uh, like a imminent hazard, like a, like a catastrophe plan he can do that i'm um, trying to get behind the qualified immunity of the politicians so we can go after them for reckless negligence which they are they're recklessly negligent and what does that mean they are engaged in behavior and, and clinging to policies that are directly harming human beings causing death directly <laughs> and I, I can't do it i can't do it anymore i, I I'm, I'm sick of it I, I wake up every day freaked out about it so and i as a physician that's practiced in so many decades in this area i kind of know how infectious disease work here yeah i see what's coming i literally feel like i'm a uh, like I'm on a railroad track and then there's bridges out and I'm like, the bridge is out, the bridge is out. And I'm getting the finger from the conductor. Uh. That's what I feel like. And uh, so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait about a month. And if this thing ramps up, I'm going to, I'm going to slowly put pressure on the fire chief to see if he could, would be willing to cause an, you know, call it an emergency. Yeah. Uh, if, if enough of this, if enough people die, I mean, how many have to die? Think about that. Jesus. Uh, and by the way, the other thing we can do is is expand Lantern and Petrus. You know, we have this act that back in the 60s, when people needed treatment, they got treatment. It was called need for care. And right. That's it. They got care. Well, that, that resulted in some excesses, right? Psychiatry was doing lobotomies and Thorazine and things. They, no, that's not going to happen anymore. But because of those excesses, we decided that need for care is no longer a criteria. Mm-hmm. You must be imminent harm to self or other. There's a giant distance there. Yeah. We could fill in with other things like difficulty meeting your medical needs, difficulty meeting your nutritional needs. You know, if you have areas where we can, if you had dementia and these things were happening to you and people didn't help you, you'd be inhuman. Mm-hmm. But because psychiatric illnesses cause the same symptoms, oh, you can't touch that. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a mess. Well, that's, this has always been an area of interest in mine, especially because when, when I first came to California, it seemed like there were so many homeless people. And uh, back when they were developing um, the geodesic dome cities, I yes. got really involved with that yes. project. Is um, that a, a, te- a Ted, Ted De Hayes? Uh, yeah. Yes, Ted Hayes. So, I, I still, I'm talking to Ted regularly. We're trying to figure something out. Well, because it, it has always been, or at, le- at least until I believed the, 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 hoax. The, the housing hoax, I have always understood that it's as simple as people having some kind of medical or, or mental concern, them not being able to pay for their medicine, them not being able to stay employed and them not being able to uh, get, keep their house. And then once you're on the street, it's nearly impossible to recover. So part of what I got involved in with the most was the transitional housing and the, um, uh, the, the job training. There, there are people that need that for sure. Yeah. Those aren't the ones that are going to die in the street. Yeah. Those are the people that are in trouble. They're transient. They're using sources. They're, well, the, and those, there's a lot of those people. The reason they need help. And there's, is, there's a lot of help out there for them. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is yeah. that, no, you've got an ally. If okay. there's any way that I can help. Well, I, this I'm, is such a, it's a, a, a the real part, close well, they, to home issue for They me. keep pointing at that population. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes, that population needs our help, but we are helping them. 
the piece that's emergent are the people that are talking to themselves, shooting up heroin, shooting up meth, yeah, and, and languishing on the streets. You see them, yeah. They they're not going back to work and they're not going to be able to pay rent. No, it's, that's it's not going to happen. And ever. the average person standing on the side of the freeway with a sign is still physically caring for themselves somehow. You know, like the average person, they seem like they've got a. You, you don't see people truly run down and degraded the way that there's no food problem. Yeah, food isn't the problem because the rats are. That's why we have the rat problem because the food is all cast out onto the street and stuff. <laughs> really, it, it's compli- It's not complicated. It's actually simple. Expand Lanterman Petrus. Expand conservatorship. And let's let's start helping get get these people treated, and let's get them back to living. Where's that start? Is it at the mayoral level? Is it the, 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 the mayor has the govern, to the, the mayor has level? to start talking about it as what it is, which is a mental health crisis and an addiction crisis. And we have to we're going to have to we're probably going to have to enforce drug laws because you have to motivate drug addicts to get better. And how else are you going to motivate them? <laughs> uh, and so uh, that that you know I they, I mean I, all I know is they're going to die if we don't. They're yeah. going to die. It's, it's a, these are not static disorders. They're progressive disorders. Yeah. And they're going to die. And so I, I can't live with that. I can't live in a city where people just allow people to die on the streets. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. It's unbelievable. I'm glad you're doing the piece you're doing because that, there are people that need those services like crazy. But at There's the same time, if you want to offline this with me, I'd love yeah, to well, talk to you about right, ways we'll that we can about. All right, we'll do, it. do something. Uh, sorry, guys in the back. You're, I hear you're not laughing at this one, so it's, it's all right. <laughs> no, no, no. It this was is a, great. That was. It was a. It was a. It was an email. It was a legitimate email. Um, but I, I'm overcome thinking about this all the time. And yep. it, of course, they're all my people. I know how to take care of. I've to take care of these populations for years and years and years. And I <laughs> and I see it and I see what's happening and I know what it is. And to have it's insulting to have our government officials insist it's a housing problem. <laughs> There's a housing problem. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. And there's massive need for what you, you've you been working on, the transitional housing and the yeah. job. Fantastic. But people are doing that. That part is, that part, we're, we're getting that part. This part of the really seriously ill that don't want help yeah. and refuse help and refuse housing and are at risk for infect, are getting infectious diseases. And growing grow, by the thousands and, and all pro, the time. And progressing. That's the part. They go, well, if they want to live in the street, you're committing them to death. Hmm. Is that okay with you? Not okay with me. So uh, let's get another voice message before I wrap this thing up. Let's do that. Hi, Dr. Drew. It's Wesley. Hope you're mm-hmm. keeping it high and tight. High and tight. So recently I ran my first marathon. And after I finished, I noticed my sense of taste was dulled to the point where I could almost wow. taste nothing wow. for the rest of the day. Interesting. Now I went back to normal the next day, but I was kind of curious what the reason for that might be. Thanks. Was that just- high and tight. Is it I, just dehydration? I, I don't know. I, it actually kind of concerns me a little bit. Now, now smell is a major part of test and of taste, rather. And if you notice, he sounded a little congested. I <laughs> wonder if in the course of running, he became more congested, you know, as your blood's flying in different parts of your body. But I might talk to somebody about that because that's kind of, it's weird enough that it, it bothers me. It's an unusual symptom. I, I suspect it's nothing, but I'd want to just at least examine you to see if there's any hints as to why that happened. Seth? Good to see you. Good to see you too. I'm sorry that we just we're like ships in the night and we only get to talk to each other on radio. And no, no, this is the this is the benefit of uh, of never quitting this industry <laughs> is that we'll continue to run into each other for the rest of our careers. Right, fair enough. Yeah. So never commit to me. You'll never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Right, done. You'll heard it here. We're never going to quit. <laughs> uh, and what? Oh, and I'm going to be Colonel Sanders one day soon, right? Yeah, we, can, sure. we can probably make that happen. You could probably peg, pull it off too. We just <laughs> get everything white and. <laughs> so, That's exactly what people need is for me to. I'm just saying. 
And my wife wants to make sure to be sure to always point out that check out the Dr. Drew. It's all at drdrew.com, the Dr. Drew podcast, the Adam and Drew podcast, uh, this life podcast. And don't forget, Changeland is now available where? Uh, everywhere. It's uh, actually all across all national VOD. So your cable on demand, your iTunes, your Netflix. Google Play, your Amazon. Uh, Netflix would be a secondary deal, but uh, right now it's available. Amazon. Everywhere. Amazon yeah. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. it's worth your time and uh it, it's um it's i felt good afterwards but i wouldn't call oh, it a feel-good film you know i'm really I mean? glad that was yeah. kind of my whole point yeah. in distributing it this way was so that just the way that i've been going to movies lately i i see a lot more stuff at home and yeah. i wanted people to be able to take a kind of ownership of this movie or have an intimate experience yeah it's 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 a it's a without being you know, corny feel good. It's a, it's something you will end up feeling good about. Yeah. And, uh, and it's in your house tonight. If you want it, go do it. Change that. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Seth. Seth, Seth. <laughs> we tried that again. Thank you, Seth. And uh, I'll thank you. Time. True. Bye. buddy. <laughs> All conversations and information exchanged during participation of the Dr. Drew after dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.